right here on Faith FM. to Faith FM, positively different radio. Listen to Faith FM anytime, anywhere with the free Faith FM app, available on the Apple App Store and the Android Google Play Store. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say It is well, it is well 
Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. How are you today? I'm doing very well. It's been a long week of rain, but now we have sunshine. Sunshiny day. Sunshiny days. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny sunny. day. That's the one. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. so And a oh. bit of humidity as well in there, but yes, it's fine. Oh, it's so good. I tell you what, when you, when you come into the radio and you get to come in and there's air conditioning happening, you realize, man... It'd be nice if I had that in my car or my wife's car or my house. Oh, really? But it's great coming into work. It makes it good. <laughs> anyway, we hope that you are having a great day out there wherever you are, whether it's blue skies or whether it's raining. We hope it's blue skies because, uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful day. Yeah. I actually was talking to a friend today mm-hmm. because um, I was talking about how I need the blue skies, right? Like seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. You know, when you, when you don't have enough sunshine and, mm-hmm. and blue light and green light off the trees – it can really impact your, your mental health. And it's interesting. I grew up in Southern California, and I looked it up today. Riverside County, my, my hometown, yeah. Riverside, California, we have an average of 28, no, just under 28 centimeters of rain per year. Yeah. Wow. And the average, in Sydney, <laughs> the average in Sydney is 100 and, 118, yeah. just under 118. Wow. So just to put it out there, I know. We may have had I, some more this year, but yeah, I think it's I, that's right. I think yeah. I need some extra blue skies. Was the point? So <laughs> if you can relate to that, that's cool. We get it. The, the blue skies are good for you. But anyway, we've got a great show lined up for we you today. Do. We do. We're going to be continuing our journey through the book of John, and we are on John chapter ten. And in fact, a little mm. fun fact for you about John chapter ten: there are two "I am" statements in John chapter ten, and you're going to have to hang out to find out what those are. We've also got some exciting things happening because we've got. I actually don't know this. I'm. I rocked up late. I got here like just a minute before um, before the radio show because I had to. I had to post a parcel to America. Oh. So my parents aren't listening to this radio show. So I had to send them <laughs> some some presents. It was great, and uh, that that took a little bit mail. of a while. Yes, yeah, <laughs> oh, snail was, mail, literally. That's right. 
But uh, we're here, so I don't know who's for our testify, but we're going to tell you that in a little bit. So stick around for that. And we also want to encourage you that you can call or text in at any time during the show to let us know your questions about God, the Bible, spirituality, etc. And you can also, when you hear the code word sometime during the Bible study that we're going to give out, you can call or text in with that to receive a free copy of a free gift today. And we'll tell you a little bit about that after we have our next song. So stick around for that. Mm. You can call or text in for either of those by calling or texting the number 0491. 064-669. That number one more time. Please send in your questions at any time during the show to 0491-064-669. It's going to be a great show. We are excited to be with you today, excited to have you with us, and this is called The Corner Room Movement One. Listening to Real Faith with Roby and Sasha, and this is Faith FM. Glad to have you here. 
Awesome. Awesome. Guess guess what time it is. It is. I think it's a weird time. It is. Could I be right? I think it's. I think it's time for what a weird and and wonderful world that God has made for us. So before we get into that, just a quick shameless plug. Oh yes. No, no shame in ever plugging. No shame. That's right. Because we would love to hear from you. So please remember that you can send your questions in by calling or texting zero four nine one zero six four double six nine at any time during the show. That number again was zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. And uh, we'll give you the We'd code word a bit later. And but we'd love to hear from you. Mm. So, what do you have for us today, Tash? I am enthused. I would like all of you. I would like to invite you. Invite all of you to listen to our weird and wonderful fact about invites. Ooh. Oh, really? Invitations, <laughs> like RSVPs and stuff. Yeah, RSVPs. Well, because we we just had our respond Chris- si vous play. Our- Is that right? Responde s'il vous plaît. Oh yeah, responde. Please respond <laughs> as soon as possible. That's what it. That's what it means in a very fancy. Fancy French way. I, th- I think the, the way that I would say it is, hey, tell me if you're coming by this date. Yeah, just tell us <laughs> <laughs> so I can get things organized. All right. <laughs> so we had invitations. Our, cool. Yeah, we had our Christmas party yesterday here at the office, and it was so much fun. It was fun, and it got me think because it was my first Christmas party that I've ever been to yeah, in, in my working that. life. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I've been in I've been in the workforce for 13 years in Australia. <laughs> uh, yeah, about that, and I think that's the first time I've ever been to, a Christmas, been to party. a Christmas party. Yeah, not that I've not been invited. Just, yeah. just not parties aren't my thing. It's okay. First <laughs> time for everything, <laughs> especially Christmas parties. Well, they sent out an invitation, and on there it had some things. You know, the usual like where to be, time to be there, what to wear. That sounds like the normal things, right? Like uh, where, when, what to dress, and what to bring. Those yeah. Things. Who, when, where, what, why? Who, how. when, what, where? How. Okay, and <laughs> I. I was under the All impression the it said come in casual clothes so that you can do some activities. I was under the impression it was activewear. And so Yeah, me, that's what I said, see, sorry and, if yeah, I was wrong. Me and two other people turned up in our full active wear and everyone else just turned up in casual clothes. And I was like, Oh That was my bad Tash. Sorry. No. <laughs> like, Robbie. I thought it's, no, I thought that's what I said in the email. So Robbie's wife was one of the one of the other she was the People. other one. Yeah, <laughs> I told her too. Her as well. And I'm uh, starting to get that this isn't so much a weird and wonderful fact session as it is a guilt trip on me for uh, for for giving a little bit. perhaps the wrong information. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's it's just like there's how, a lesson out of this. Take, go to the source. Go to the go source. to the source. Don't trust hearsay and conjecture. Go to the source. But when you get invitations, even when it does say where it is, what time it is, it's still like, should we get there at five? Does it start at five? Are we eating at five? Do you know what no, I mean? No, like no, a, no, no, no. We're going to disagree on this. But I'm just when it says the start start time, it means you need to be there 15 minutes before that. That's the time. None of this fashionably late nonsense. No, yeah, I would love to hear from our our listeners today. Yeah, please. If call you are in. a fashionably late person, an on time person, or a fifteen minute like a military time kind of person, so let us know. Oh four nine one zero six four double six nine. Yeah, what- please tell us because okay, for example. At a wedding, the reason why they tell you a certain time because they want you to be there before the bride's there. That's right. And the bride is always uber late in my She's experience. always very late. <laughs> so I know people who will get there extra late. Like, because they're just like, oh, the factor in the time, half an hour. All right, the bride's going to be there. Then I'll be there. And so I'm like, yes, that's true. Yeah, okay, yeah. even the location. I'm usually there half an hour before you're supposed to be there. Really? Yeah. So I can help. <sighs> Because I'm really bad at remembering gifts, so at least I can show up and give my <laughs> and presents. And help somehow? <laughs> oh. Okay, so we invitations have always been um, written um, 
I'll actually trace some history. But for now, at the moment, what's very popular is e-invites or like websites. So people just send it out now. because they're cheaper. And they're cheaper, yeah. And you don't have to have anyone's address to send them it's to. It's true. And you can just send a link to people that you like. And you don't have fine. to be personal at all because you can just group send it to everybody. Yeah, you can. We're kind of like just taking all the personal <laughs> touches out of all of life this at the moment, true. aren't we? But it's interesting <laughs> because, all right, so in the 1900s is when the delivery method started off as like personal, like to your house because there was postal system. But in the 1800s, they were also hand delivered, but then there were dub- double envelopes because... Uh, the postal service wasn't that good, so they put a the invite inside another envelope. So two envelopes, two one envelopes. inside the other. Okay, let's trace it back even further. In the 1600s, uh, there was no postal service, so they would just put it in the newspaper. And so the invitation was, uh, yeah, for people who could read the newspaper, it was an announcement. And so that's, that's the 1600s. Still a lot of people coming to your wedding. Okay, how about the 1400s? The town crier would announce... The marriage. Wow. I think that's actually what my wife's maiden name means, town crier. Huh. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. That's really cool. Isn't that weird? Uh, but now I get it. Yeah. Like, like, oh, what's and your job? Would... I'm the guy who runs around town and shouts out the news. Yeah, because I'm, I'm not the newspaper. That's super Christmassy, by the way, because heralding the good news. Anyway, yeah. sorry. And and so everybody was invited then. So it was like a big, massive group. So it was everybody. Invite. Everybody. Oh, this is getting cool. Yeah. And so, okay. I'm seeing some gospel connections. Yes, there is. Because, all right, Jesus' invitation doesn't come in the paper. It doesn't come in a website. It's a personal invitation, but it's to all. Ooh, and so that's preach. what's, yeah, this is such a cool thing. Like when we're coming into Christmas and like, I don't know, like this is the invitation that everyone can be part of, not in his breath, but his second coming as well. And so, yeah, that's just my invite. We had a wonderful fact for today. This is Darren Percival in the Sweet By and By. There's a land that is fairer than day And by faith we can see it afar For the Father waits over the way To prepare us a dwelling place there In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore We shall sing on that beautiful shore The melodious songs of the blessed And our spirits shall sorrow no more Not a sigh for the blessing of rest In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore To our bountiful Father above We will offer our tribute of praise For the glorious gift of His love And the blessings that hollow our day In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by 
we shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio, and it has come that time of the show where we talk to a real person who's living today and ask them to testify about what is going on in their real life, things that Jesus has done for them. And today we have, well, is it working? Oh, yeah. Hello. 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 I just had a total, a total mind blank and, and, and your first name just fell out of my head. Kim. Uh, Kim, thank you. Hi, Kim. Kim Piez, yeah? <laughs> Talk about blunders. The great thing about radio is, the blooper reel is not at the end. It's right through the middle of the show because there's no reduce. It's like real life. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Kim. I'm so excited that you're here. And, um, Thank you so much. Yeah, so tell us just a little bit about yourself before we get into your story. Okay. Well, my full name is Kim Peets. I live on the southwest coast of Victoria in a beautiful little seaside town called Port Ferry. Beautiful. Um, I'm a communicator, a designer, and a photographer. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> very artistic. Very exciting. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, we're excited. Mother, um, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, keep going. Tell us more. No, no. That's, <laughs> that was all just saying I've got a husband and I've got, and I've got uh, two beautiful chosen daughters and uh, two sons. So, yeah. Beautiful. That's important details. Those are important. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we're super excited to have you on the show today, Kim, and we're excited to hear your story. So we'll hand it over to you. Great. Well, I actually was sitting and thinking all week, which God, which God moment should I share? Because I'm not going to lie, there have been so many, mm. <laughs> so many indeed. And uh, my favorite, one of my favorite Bible verses is Isaiah 43, 19. And basically the story is, you know, God saying, hey, look, I've brought you through the desert and I've brought you, you know, through all these miraculous things. And, and what it says is that, behold, I give you a new thing. And I think that when I look over my life, I think about every time I've had a moment with God where I've said, okay, um, God, what's next? And I'm going to put my hand up and I'm going to say, pick me, like, here am I, send me, just like uh, Samuel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that um, every time something has happened, it has been beyond what I could ever imagine and probably worse than I could ever imagine. Um, a few times in our life, uh, we've basically gone, oh, we'd never go and live there. And God says, hey, guess what? You're going to that very place. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I'm a, I'm a city girl, and uh, one of the first uh, hardest things I've ever done is go. I was in Sydney, living in Sydney at the time, working in public relations, and um, and I ended up going and living in a remote Aboriginal community in the Western Desert, in Western Australia. And man, that was hard. It was just such a culture shock. It was just so different from what I was used to. I discovered a whole bunch of things about myself that I didn't like and, and you know, I wasn't that patient. And, you know, it's just amazing how God can stretch you in the most amazing ways and, uh, you know, in difficult ways. And I, I wouldn't say that I thought at the time this was a God moment, 
but I honestly think that um, I learned so much. I think sometimes when you go someplace, you think you're going to make a difference, but actually I think that the place that you go to changes you and the people change you in a way. And um, so my husband and I were there for three years and then we went to Papua New Guinea and I always said I was never going to go there. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where we went next. And uh, and also, um, you know, we just heard so many horrible stories about how dangerous it was to live in Papua New Guinea, but we got there and it was the most beautiful country and the people were just incredible. And I remember saying to my husband after you know, hearing the horror stories of the danger and the, the rascals and things. And uh, I said, no one told me how beautiful it was. Like, no one said what a beautiful country and how beautiful the people were. And yes, there's crime issues, but no, it's just minimal compared to the beauty and the wonderful things. And, um, and I guess for me, I guess, I mean, I haven't got a particular one story I wanted to share, but we've just had you know, we've had dangerous things happen to us, and we've had. Um, there was a there was a time where uh, we had a rifle attack on our car. We were laid out at night. I just brought my newborn baby back to Papua New Guinea, um, nine weeks old, wow. and we had a rifle attack. And they the these men came out of the darkness with these big river rocks. You know, they were so heavy they could hardly hold them up, and they were throwing them at our car, clearly trying to stop us. And um, you know, those boulders, they were huge. They would have killed if they'd gone through a window. And, oh, anyway, my husband quickly changed down gears and we zipped off into a, um, into a, another spot and we hopped out of the car and realized that one of the river rocks had hit the window strip of the back seat of the car where our new baby was. And, uh, you know, that river rock, had it just been thrown a little bit high, would have gone through the window and probably would have killed our baby, ba- our newborn baby. Um, you know, just wow. stories like that. I, I feel like there's just so many stories, but but I honestly think that when we open our eyes to see what God gives to us and how he blesses us, sometimes it's not in the ways that we think and it's not the ways that we look for. Um, and I honestly feel like my whole life is a testimony of places that I never wanted to go, but they've just brought so much joy to my life and so many amazing memories. And I know that God's not finished with me yet. And we put our hand up and said, okay, God, we're next. And we know that there'll be some more adventures to come. Absolutely. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing, Kim. There's some, some things there that I can relate to. And um, just in closing, is there any, any last words that you'd just like to share with our listeners? Well, I suppose um, for me, because that's one of my favorite verses, um, I think that I always now look out for the way that God is blessing me. Sometimes I think that I, well, I suppose we all have, we don't even realize, but we have an expectation of what we think God's going to do for us. And then something happens, we say, oh, that's not blessing. But then then sometimes we actually need to look at it and go, actually, maybe that's the way God's blessing us right now. So I think for me, i just love to say to anyone that's listening, if, um, you know, make sure that you're looking out for the things that God is doing for you. He may have blessed you one way before, but it doesn't mean to say he's going to bless you exactly the same way next time. And to always look out for those blessings. Sometimes they come in hard times, but we don't grow through easy times. We only really grow through those difficult, challenging moments. And for people to um, have that space and that open-mindedness to see how God is blessing them in their life. Absolutely. Well said. Well, God bless you, Kim. Thank you so much for your time today. (laughs) And this is Ron and Patty Valiant, O Israel.
Run of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. You're Real listening thing. to Real Faith with Rob, Robbie and Tush. <laughs> I was like, do I say my name? Well, we said it at the same time and we weren't planning that. So I thought maybe we could share it. Maybe we could share it. It's okay. Whoa, my computer's wigging out. Oh, there we go. Okay. So we are enjoying the beginning of our Bible study right now, just in case you didn't know. So we are in John chapter 10. So if you have a Bible in front of you, I invite you to open that to the fourth book of the New Testament, to the Gospel of John. Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, then John. And we are in John chapter 10. And we're going to start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege of your word and your spirit and your grace. Please lead us by the power of your spirit to understand your word and to apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. And by the way, just in yeah. case you know, didn't know, the reason that we started praying on air before we do the Bible studies because I think we should always just pray before. And we, yeah, we pray course. before the, the show starts. We pray before we do this stuff. But I just thought it was good to model that because we should always pray and ask for God's leading as we open his word so that we understand it Yeah, and can apply it. Yeah. Booyah. <laughs> awesome. Now, because we need the help. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Now, before we get into our Bible study, I just wanted to mm. do a quick plug again for question of the week. So I don't think we've gotten any questions yet. So a little subtle, uh, friendly guilt trip there. We would love to hear from you. And uh, I really want to hear that jingle because I've, I've missed it. I missed it mm. last week, I think, or the week before. There was a week recently where we missed it and I was pretty devastated. So I'm looking good. forward to hearing some questions from you. So please call or text in with any questions that you've got at any point during the show that we can look at at question of the week time at 0491-064-669. That number again is 0491-064-669. And just also remember that at some point during this Bible study, we're going to give you a code word mm -hmm. that you can call or text into that same number. And today, the first caller in is going to receive this free giveaway. It's called The God With Us. Now, it's 
the gospel according to John, but the author, his name is James W. Gilly. He has these like practical stories through his life and he travels through what we're, what we're doing right now, which is traveling through the books of or John 1 through to 12. So this specifically would be perfect in like, uh, reading alongside what we're studying. Awesome. As a you, real companion yeah, study book. A real book. companion study book. Awesome. Love it. But it's, yeah, practical stuff in there as well. Very cool. Awesome. So make sure you call in or text in when we hear that. Oh, we've got three? We have three Oh, goodness copies. gracious. I didn't know that. So the first, the second, and the third caller today, we're going to be nice and kind and not, not skip the second or the fourth or any of that thing. So <laughs> make sure that you call or text in when you hear that. All right. So we are in John chapter 10. And... Um, John chapter 10 is continuing on, obviously from John chapter 9, but it's continuing on still in Jerusalem and um, yeah. continuing on from that story that we read through. So he's still in Jerusalem. And just for a quick recap, the end of the last story was – and the reason I want to highlight this is, is there's there's no break in the story, yeah. right? By the way, uh, there were no chapters or verses when John wrote this gospel or, in fact, when any of the original writings of the Bible were made. And so there's nothing there's nothing like holy or intrinsic or infallible aware the, about where the chapter break is between because that's not in the original text. Mm. And the reason I highlight that is sometimes we get in our minds, oh, that's the end of the chapter, that's the end of the story, and we make these clear distinctions where, in fact, this distinction between chapter 9 and 10 is literally in the middle of Jesus' conversation. Yeah. So I just want to highlight that. So chapter 9 finished where Jesus had met the man who had been born blind that he healed, and this man becomes a follower of Jesus. It says he worships Jesus. And at the end of that story, it says that Jesus says this comment about the blind being able to see and those who see being blind. And then there were some Pharisees. Now remember, the Pharisees were the very group who had been talking about and cast this man out of the synagogue. So they were of the same ilk. They may not have been the same Pharisees, but they were of the same group. And so in response to what Jesus had said, they asked the question. And they say, are we also blind? And this was what he said to them. If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And then we have the chapter break, and we go into chapter 10, verse 1. But I want you to just realize that there's nothing contextual about a change of scene. He's still speaking to those very Pharisees who asked him this question. All right, so we are continuing on John chapter 10 and verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought us, brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Awesome. Okay. What is going on here? So Jesus turns around. They're like, hey, so are we blind? He's like, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But seeing as you say that you can see, your guilt remains. And then he says to them, truly, truly, I tell you. And then what is he talking about? What's this What's this figure of speech that he's using that John's talking about? So he actually, he's giving them an illustration. Uh, he paints, the illustration he, he gives them is a, a picture of what 
where sheep go at night or a sheep fold or a sheep pen or a sheep enclosure. I don't know. I think those are the words. And he talks about how this sheep enclosure, um, the way they would have known it as at the time is made up of like, um, uh, stones or some sort of, uh, uh, brick or mortar or something along those lines. But it would have been like, um, Roundish. Roundish, like a <laughs> fence type of thing. Yeah. And the only way in or out is, uh, is a, a little door or the, sh- the shepherd would actually sit. Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Let's not go too far. Okay. Because we haven't talked about it yet. It'll come up in the next verse. All right. So (laughs) essentially what he's saying, he's giving them a a picture of um, where the sheep go. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So we are going to explore that, but just, we'll just just keep our lips sealed for a little bit on that part. Okay. I want to highlight something that, that really sticks out to here in this particular part. So he hasn't said any of those I am statements we alluded to yet. Yeah. He hasn't talked too much about himself yet. But he says something really interesting. So first of all, in any story, it's wise to identify all the characters, the players in the story. So we've got sheep. We've got somebody who doesn't come in by the door. And we've got the shepherd. And we've got a gatekeeper. Now, I just want to highlight before we get any further, as you were saying, Tash, that typically what would happen is you've got this, you've got this sheep fold that would be made. And like you said, there's one entrance. There's one exit. And what's fascinating is that if that's the only way in or out, that means that anybody who's jumping the fence to get in, they're not going through the normal means. Now, why would you not go through the door? Would you have good intentions or ill intentions? Ill intentions. Ill intentions, And you're right? trying to hide what you're trying to do. That's right. Yeah. You're, you're a sheep thief, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the point that Jesus is making here is very significant. He says there's one way in and there's one way out. And if you're trying to get your way in or out of this sheepfold, this this sheep pen, excuse me, by any other method, then you are not truly seeking the right things. Mm. You are there for improper intentions. You are there to thief, like sorry, to thieve or to rob someone else's sheep. Mm. Now, the way that this would often happen is often in these sheep pens, you might have multiple shepherds in a village bringing all their sheep into the same pen, and then there would be a gatekeeper who would be the person who would basically block the gate. And that person would then be the person who would keep the sheep from going in or out. Now, when the shepherd comes in, this is what I really want to highlight from here because this is cool. Mm. When a shepherd, like, like, first of all, how do you, how do we round up sheep in Australia? I don't know if you know that. We have a um, a sheep dog. A sheep dog, right? So you got the dog, and he's running around, and he's barking, yap 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 yap, and he's nipping at the sheep. Yeah. You might drive around with a also car, in quads. I right? Can imagine people in quads. That's singing. right. So you're driving around, <laughs> and and the way that we typically, in a Western mindset lead sheep is we drive them. Mm. We drive sheep from behind. Mm. But I want to highlight here that this is talking about a Middle Eastern pattern of shepherding. And when it comes a little bit later and we talk about Jesus, uh, what he's alluding to here that he's going to be talking about himself being a shepherd, I want you to notice something. The way that a Middle Eastern shepherd leads is not from behind with cracking the whip and directing and driving the sheep to go where he has not been. But a shepherd, as Jesus is saying here, he says the shepherd in the Middle East would go and they would call to their sheep. I know all of my sheep by name, and they recognize my voice. And when I call to them, I invite them to follow me, and they come behind me where I myself am going. And I love this because Jesus is alluding to the fact that he is going to lead from the front and invite you 
to come in. This is Halal Music All to Us. Precious cornerstone, sure foundation, you are faithful to the end. We are waiting on you, Jesus. We believe you're all to us. Precious cornerstone, sure foundation, you are faithful to the end. We are waiting on you, Jesus. We believe you're all to us. Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. Let the righteousness of God be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. We believe you're all to us, only Son of God, sent from heaven, hope and mercy at the cross. You are everything, you're the promise, Jesus, you are all to us. Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. Let the righteousness of God be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. We believe you're all to us. Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. Let the righteousness of God be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. We believe you're all to us. You're all to us. You're all to us. You're all to us. Yes, you
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio. And we're about to dive right back into John chapter 10. Um, but before we do that, we wanted to remind you that you can send in your questions at any time during the show by calling or texting those questions to 0491-064-669. That number again is? 0491-064-669. And you can also, when we give out the code word, I want you to make sure you're hanging on, got your phone on speed dial to that number. You should save it, by the way. Then you don't have to remember it like That's we true. do on the radio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And you can send in when you hear the code word. You can call or text in with that code word. And the first three callers today are going to receive a free copy of this giveaway book. It's called God With Us, and it is according to John. So it's like a companion guide that you can read, and it goes through John chapters 1 through to 12. And Jim Gilly, who is the author, he has some like down-to-earth uh, practical applications and ways that you can use it in your life and uses this the story of his own life experience and how you can do it within your own life. And so it's an awesome way to just to travel through John as we've been traveling through and a good companion guide. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so just as, as we were saying before, because I just thought we should give it a little bit more gusto. Mm. I love the way that Jesus is leading here, right? Like what he's talking about. And he hasn't yet identified himself in the story to be the shepherd, but that's the implication that he's alluding to, right? Mm. And when you think about the way that Jesus leads, think about this. It's not often that you see Jesus, you know, driving people from behind, right? Like there's the instance where he makes a, a, a whip of cords, right, and chases people out of the sanctuary, right, in the temple. Yeah. But aside from that, how is Jesus often operating? Come, follow me. Yeah, it's right? always an invitation. It's always up to you. It's that's not, right. Yeah invitation. And I love this. Jesus is, when Jesus calls us into moral behavior, when Jesus calls us into a life of other-centered love, when Jesus is doing all of these things, he is not being a hypocrite. And he is not calling us, driving us to do something that he himself has not already done. And I absolutely love this because this is a mark of true leadership, is that he is willing to go before you and I into all of those circumstances before we have to do them. He's not asking us when he says, if you want to follow me in Luke, uh, I think it's Luke 9, um, he says, you must take up your cross and die daily, right? Mm. And follow me. He's not asking us to do something that he was unwilling to do because before we take up our cross and follow him, he takes our cross that we deserved. He takes the penalty for our sins. He's already done it. Right, I was just reading this morning with a friend in Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter or the, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. We look unto Jesus. That's how we endure difficulties and trial. Why? Because we look forward looking towards the, the Savior who has already gone through these things, who was in always tempted like we are and yet without sin. Right, And I love this. Jesus is that kind of leader. So the next time that we think, oh man, it's so hard, remember. Remember what Jesus has already done for you. Remember that Jesus is not asking us to bear a cross that he was unwilling to bear himself. And I love this because that is the mark of true Christian leadership. And that means we also are called to lead like that. 
And I think that's powerful. It's convicting. It's a rebuke. It's a challenge. I fall far short of that all the time. Yeah. But, but so, this is the way that we're called to lead. And I love this because this mm-hmm. is how Jesus leads. And notice what he says. The sheep recognize his voice. And there's going to be so much more depth as we go in because this is about to just like <laughs> blow your mind. Oh, yeah. It's so good. All right. So let's continue. John chapter 10. He continues, right? They did not understand what he was saying. So we continue in verse 7. So he's now about to repeat himself and elaborate. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Awesome. Let's pause there for a moment. Now, you mentioned something before that was huge cataclysmic that I think is really profound, something about a door. Now, what's now? Jesus has just dropped his third, I think it is, his third yeah. I am statement. So this is number three of seven, right? I am the bread of life, number one. I am the light of the world, number two. And now number three, I am the door, door. of the sheep. I am the door. Now, what in the world is the significance <laughs> of being a door? Okay, so just remember back to the description we had of the the sheep the sheepfold or the pen the sheep pen the sheep pen with one the, way the in and one way out one way in one way out and sometimes there was no actual physical door many times there was no physical door so there was either a gatekeeper or the shepherd would literally sit at at the door as the door so they would be the only way in was to go through the shepherd like you had to Literally. Literally. He had to shepherd. let you in or let you out. Or let you out, yeah. And what's really neat about that, by extension, is yeah. if that's the only way in or out, when an enemy comes, who is it that they have to get through in order to get to the sheep? So Jesus is saying he is the door. So they have to go through him Booyah. to get in or out. Amen, man. And it's look, there's, there's, there's heaps of things here as well. And I like that. No, no. They say thieves and robbers again because they're there to do something and hide, like in secret and take something that's not theirs. And also as well, they are acting selfishly for mm. themselves. They're not acting on behalf of anybody. Like they're not, they're not trying to get through the door to the sheep to help someone or to feed someone. No, it's just for themselves, mm. which is an interesting thing to interesting words to use. Well, like that Jesus is using because he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the religious yeah, he's leaders. He's talking to these religious the leaders. The religious teachers. Yeah. The people whose responsibility it is to be leading people to the salvation that God alone can provide. Yeah. And he's talking to them right now, and they're, or at least in their midst. His mm. disciples are probably mm. present. The blind man who's been healed is present. The Pharisees are present, and he's yeah. teaching this stuff. This is full on. It's confronting. It's very confronting. Right? Yeah, and he. Uh, but, but, but let's not forget our all I am who came before there. me. Yeah. yeah, totally. Right, so I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is the only way in. He's the only way out of the sheep pen. Right. Mm. It's through Jesus. If you're going to find pasture, it's through Jesus. If you're going to find safety, it's through it's Jesus. Jesus. If you're going to find protection from thieves and robbers and enemies, it's through Jesus. Mm. Because when you are His sheep, right? When you are His follower, when you belong to Him, mm. you are His responsibility. Yeah, and he is willing to lay down his life for you, and not not like that illusion is also literal, right? Yeah, not just like Jesus laid his life down for us on the cross, which is absolutely true and essential. The turning point, right? That his death and resurrection is the turning point of the yeah. whole history of the universe. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not just in that either. 
It's not just that 2,000 years ago Jesus laid down his life for me. That is true. But he's also willing to lay down his life on the line for me daily, right? In, in the sense that he's willing to say, if the enemy's coming to me, it's got to come through Jesus. Yeah. And that's powerful, man. Yeah. So powerful. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 10. So John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Okay, we got to pause there. I John 10.10 10 have... is too much. We just can't keep going. Okay. Now, yeah. now this is huge, right? Because he had said, yeah. everybody who came before me. Now, here's a question. Does that mean that Moses was not sent from God, that he was a thief and a robber? What about Samuel? No. What about Elijah? No. no, no, no. Because they were not coming to impersonate or to pretend to be Messiah. They were prophets of God pointing forward to Messiah. Yeah. But what we often don't realize is that there were literally people in that time period, even before Jesus, mm. who had come and literally claimed to be the Messiah, right? They claimed to be the one. Now, so he's saying here that all of those false messiahs, they were thieves and they were robbers. And who is ultimately the original thief and the original robber? The devil. The devil himself, yeah. right? He's the father of lies. He is the original liar. He's a liar from the beginning. He's the father of it. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. The point is anybody who's operating upon satanic principles is mm -hmm. operating in line with the original thief and is therefore a thief themselves, right? They're a robber. They're doing the selfish things that you were talking about before. But I love this. What does he say? He says the thief comes sometimes to steal and to kill and destroy like like on every Thursday, once a year? No, 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 no. He says he comes only to yeah. steal and kill and destroy. And why is this so significant? This is so significant because oftentimes we like to think about in the Western world, oh, if the devil's going to come, he's going to come with pitchfork and horns. We're going to be able to recognize him, right? Absolutely not. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 and 15 tells us that the devil himself transforms himself into an angel of light. When the devil comes to tempt us, he doesn't come, like, typically come out there and be like, oh, boo, let me scare you into doing No, 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 no. The way that he tends to operate is he tries to make things look good, right? Mm -hmm. Well, just, just go down this path of adultery. It's going to be great for you. It's going to be exciting and romantic, and it's going to be fun, and you're going to find love and satisfaction and passion. And then pretty soon you discover that what you found is, is a moment of lust, a moment of, of pleasure that leads to a lifetime of regret and broken relationships, strings of difficulty, right? You find out, you know, pick, pick anything, right? Anything that's just one example. Lies, deception, right? Oh, but it's going to keep me out of trouble. But then you wind up in, in worlds of trouble because you're so interlaced with so many lies and deceptions that you don't even yourself know right from wrong or truth from falsehood or reality at all. And you live in a, in a whole just shamble of a life, right? And you could go thing after thing after thing. Anything that Jesus is calling us to, right? The devil wants us to think that's bad, right? God's commandments are no good, right? They're going to lead to your destruction. No, no, no. Everything that the devil brings is what Jesus is saying here. He says they, the only reason the devil ever comes to you is only to steal, only to kill, only to destroy. Yeah. He may make it look good at the beginning, but guess what? The ultimate end of all sin, which is what the devil is leading to, is destruction. That's it. It doesn't matter how good it looks at the beginning. That's where it leads. So when you look at God's character as, as expressed in the Ten Commandments, for example, as expressed in the life of Christ, as expressed throughout Scripture, what you see that we often in the Western world say, oh, that's restrictive, that's no good. 
you go out there and live the, the lies that the thief comes to bring to you, and you watch how good it does you, right? Because I, my experience is in line with what Jesus is saying. But here's the flip side. Jesus says, the thief only comes for these reasons. However, I have come, Jesus says, in total contrast, to give them life. Every single thing that Jesus calls you to and is asking us to leave or to take up will only ever bring, ultimately, joy, satisfaction, and fullness of abundance of life. This is Andrew Peterson in the night. I am weary with the pain of Jacob's wrestling In the darkness with the fear In the darkness with the fear But he met the morning wounded with a blessing So in the night my hope lives on And when Elisha woke surrounded by the forces Of the enemies of God the enemies of God He saw the hills aflame with angels on their horses So in the night my hope lives on Oh, in the night Oh, in the night Oh, in the night my hope lives on See the slave that toils beneath the yoke unyielding And I can hear the captive groan Hear the captive groan For some hand to stay the whip His foe is wielding Still in the night My hope lives on I see the armies of the enemy approaching And the people driven trembling to the shore But a doorway through the waters now is opening So in the night My hope lives on Oh, in the night, oh, in the night, oh, in the night, my hope lives on. Like a son who thought he'd gone beyond forgiveness, too ashamed to lift his head. If he could lift his head, he would see his father running from a distance. In the night, my hope lives on. And I can see the crowd of men retreating as he stands between the woman and their stones. And if mercy in his holy heart is beating, then in the night, my hope lives on. Son of Mary, he was gentle as a lamb, gentle as a lamb. He was beaten, he was crucified and buried, and in the night my hope was gone. But the rulers of this earth could not control him, no, they did not take his life, he laid it down, and all the chains of death could never hope to hold him. So in the night, my hope lives on.
to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio. And uh, we just want to remind you, because I don't think we've gotten anybody in, so guilt trip number two, please, please, we're begging you, please send us your questions. No, we I would will, love please. to hear from you. We, we, we Send it in. <laughs> I demand. No. <laughs> yeah, no, if you've got any questions about God, about the Bible, um, we would love to hear from you. You can call or text those in at any time um, if you've got them. There's no pressure. Um, to 0491-064-669. That number again is 0491-064-669. And uh, we will address those in our question of the week portion at the end of the show. If you've got those, please feel free to send them in. And we're going to drop a code word at some point during this Bible study. We haven't dropped it yet, so you're not too late. And our first three callers today who have that code word and send it to that same number are going to receive a free copy of this book. It's according to John, the book is called God With Us, and it goes through the chapters John 1, 3 to 12, and not only that, the author has got some practical real-life applications that go with John, and what a great way to travel with us as we um, unpack uh, John, the Gospel of John, and as a great reading companion, and oh, don't forget to call us in, Talk, call in, call in. That's yes. the one, that's the one. <laughs> All right, so we just kind of basically spent the whole last section breaking down one verse, but I think it's just a really powerful verse. I think it's super, super powerful. There was redundant, no, but no, no, just, it is. It's super powerful, and I, I just love that you. Yes, the three words there are steal, kill, and destroy. But what Jesus brings is so much more life and life in abundance, which means it's overflowing. That's like right. continues to give, and so. I don't know anything else in the in in this world that does that, and so we yeah we have that, that amazing promise in Jesus. So put that one to memory, John ten ten. Easy. Yeah, to John ten ten. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Beautiful. All right, so we're going to continue in John chapter ten verse eleven. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Awesome. Let's pause there. So he gives this second explanation of of who he is in this in the context of this sheep and door analogy that's going on, this illustration. So the fourth sorry, the third statement, the third I am statement in the book of John was I am the door of the sheep. And now the fourth one is I am the good shepherd. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't just say the shepherd. There was no bad shepherd in the story, right, by the way. Yeah. But he says, I am the good shepherd, just to emphasize the truth of that. So what's going on here? What's the deal? What can we draw out of this little section? What are some key points? So the first part is that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So 
this this just brings me back to Psalm. Um, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I fear no evil, but I know that God is with me. You know, my rod and my staff. There's mm. this image of how the shepherd constantly walks with the sheep. And no matter what, what happens to the sheep, he will go. Like, he will go wherever he is, wherever he's stuck, whatever, like, ravine or, you know, he will lay down his life so that his sheep would, li- would live. Absolutely. And so that's a, like a, another beautiful illustration that Jesus is trying to paint here, but still like feeding off the sheep, I whole idea. And another thing he says is the hired hand and not a shepherd. Because the hired hand, there are people who will come and help tending to the sheep, but they're, they're hired in terms of the fact that they're still, they're actually there just for themselves. They're just there to earn a wage, but they're, the responsibility of the sheep is not really this, if that makes sense. Mm. But they're just doing a job. And he's saying, even though they, they look like they're caring, I actually care about not just you, but your life. Mm. Yeah, And I love it because what what's really demonstrated in, in a sense here is you can see the difference. There were people who were religious leaders and teachers. And as I read this, like I just find this convicting because I've been working in full-time ministry for the last five and a half years. And there's a sense in which, you know, as much as you love people, as much as you want them to know Jesus, there's a sense in which you're just a human being. And, you know, you're, you're kind of like, I need to clock out at some point and sleep too. You know what I mean? Yeah. But not Jesus. Jesus demonstrates that he is not just a hired hand. He's not there just for a paycheck, right? And hopefully, by the grace of God, we're not just there for a paycheck either because that would be awful and a waste of time. But Jesus is laying down his life. And what I love about this is that his actions show his intentions. His actions show his motivations. His actions reveal his care and concern for the sheep. And if we, as followers of Jesus, whether we're working in ministry or whether we're volunteering our time in ministry in our local church or whether we're volunteering our time to God just in ministering to our friends, our neighbors, our family in the opportunities that we have, what we have the opportunity to do is to demonstrate by our actions that we are actually those who are following Jesus because we're sheep in the story trying to bring the other sheep to the shepherd. Yeah. And I love that because whether you're hired, whether you're not hired is irrelevant. The point is we can demonstrate through our actions whether we really care about the people. And our actions and our words, that we, when they match up and when they align, that's when we know what reality is, where we're really coming from. And so I love this because Jesus demonstrates it fully in his actions, not just his words. His words are there, but they're verified by the works that he's doing. I love this. Super cool, man. I am the good shepherd. And I love this also. There's another very powerful thing that's being communicated in here. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And if you think about this in the context of Israel, who is the chosen people of God, who at this point in time, there is a, there's a severe racism that's taking place where they believe that those who are not of Israelite descent yeah. are on the outside and don't have access to God. Now, in a sense... In a sense, they're right because there's other people who they don't have as clear access, right? Because they haven't been given as clear of a picture of who God is. Mm -hmm. But notice what Jesus does, and he flips this idea on its head, and he says this. He says, I have other sheep, present tense. I have right now, not I will have, not I might have one day. No, he says, I have, present tense, other sheep that are not, not of this fold. They're not in the church right now. They're not in the nation of Israel. They're not Abraham's descendants. They're Gentiles. Yeah. who have not been given the opportunity that has been afforded to you to have access to God's word in the way that you have. But he says this, I must bring them also, and they will, future tense, listen to my voice. So what's he saying? 
He's saying, look, there are people who are outside of the confluence of church world, church life, and in their context, the life of Israel, the life of the sanctuary and the temple, who, to the best of their knowledge and the best of their ability, are following what God has revealed to them. And he says, they're mine. They are mine. And he says, he's going to reveal more to them. And when he reveals more to them, they're going to follow. Because why? They recognize the voice of God. And I love this because this demonstrates the reality that God has people in other faiths. God has other people in other religions, other denominations than the one that you're a part of. Whatever those things are, God has those people. He has them, he says, present tense. But notice, he says that's not the goal. The goal is not to leave them there, right? This doesn't do away with our need to share Jesus. This actually heightens the need for us to share Jesus because we want to give everyone the best opportunity to take that next step to follow Jesus' voice to the next level, to the next level. Just like we're getting called by Jesus' voice to the next level, to the next level, to a deeper, more connected, real, authentic, true relationship with God. And that comes only through Jesus. And Jesus is busy at work in these other places trying to lead them to the next step so that they can see him more clearly. And our privilege as followers of Jesus is to be the bearers of that message to them so that by our actions and our words— they can see a picture of Jesus and hear the good news of Jesus Christ so that they can take that step further. And I love that. And he says there will ultimately be one sheep and one flock, right? His, he's going to have one, one flock that's going to be all following him. That doesn't mean everybody's going to join it. doesn't mean everybody in the world is one of Jesus' sheep, right? Because he's calling them out of something. But Jesus is calling us out to call us in. And I love that. All right, let's keep reading. We're going to read through verse 17 and 18 before we listen to this next song. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Boom! Oh, goodness. Mic drop. So he says all of this stuff. What's the purpose, right? What's the purpose? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He says this is what, this is why the Father loves me because this is my purpose. Mm. And he says, I'm not, no one's taking this from me. I'm doing this on my own authority. And I'm going to take my life back up by the same authority. This is Matt and Josie Minicus. Lead us faithfully. Lead. 
to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith the Fam. We're so glad to have you back. Oh, before we go on. I think it's time to there's do. There's something we need to do. Oh, yeah. Don't forget. Bah. <laughs> That's the code word. <laughs> All right. So the code word today, you can call or text in to 0491-064-669, and the word is bah. Like, like what a sheep says. Bah. Yeah. So uh, with a B, with a B, bah. So you can figure out how to spell that. Good luck. The first three people who get in are going to get that free copy of that book, God With Us, um, going through a companion study of the book of the first uh, the book of John, the first 12 chapters. So call or text in 0491-064-669 with the word bah. And uh, again, the first three callers. So get in there quick. All right, so let's continue. So Jesus says, the Father loves me because I lay my life down and I take it up, that I may take it up again. And I love this concept that Jesus is putting forward. 
He has the authority to lay down his life. No one takes it from him. He didn't die on the cross because somebody because somebody got him there, because of the violence of someone. No, no, no. He died because he laid his life down willingly. So often throughout the Gospel of John it says they tried to stone him. They tried to kill him, but he left. It wasn't yet his wasn't time. Wasn't his time. Yeah. Right? We see that over and over again because he is willingly laying down his life for your life and my life. And I love it. It's powerful. All right, so let's continue. John chapter 10, verse 19. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Boom. Another mic drop. Jesus is just dropping mics from left to right <laughs> all through this chapter. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's a couple of things that I think are worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. First of all, um, if you're unfamiliar with the Feast of Dedication, just to give us a, a little bit of context, this is the the Jewish holiday that's often referred to as Hanukkah, or the Festival of Lights, which actually came about from an instance that happens in between the Old Testament and the New Testament writings during the period of what's called the Maccabean um, Revolt. So at this time, it is believed that one of these, uh, I forget the name of the guy, sorry, but he was one of the, the Maccabees, uh, one of these dudes in that period, <laughs> and anyway, they, they had a revolt, and they they basically got to have Jerusalem yeah. back under control, and they were able to reinstate the use of the second temple, mm-hmm. right? So the temple that had been built when they came back from Babylon. And so when they did this, they celebrated by keeping a, you know, by keeping a festival similar to the Feast of Tabernacles, and it was believed, the legend has it, whether or not this is true is another question, I'm not sure, but the, they believe that this person found just enough oil to keep the lanterns lit, the candles lit, for one day, and yet it lasted for eight days. And so they would light the candle every day, light the candles every day, and for eight days, and they have this time of celebration. So this is what this period is. And so he's there at this time. This is likely in wintertime. Um, it often happens around early December. Um, and this is when he's there. So it's winter. He's walking around, and I love this. Check out the question that they ask. How long will you keep us in suspense, Jesus, if you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, if you are the Lord's anointed that we have been waiting for? Tell us plainly. And how does Jesus respond to that? He's, uh, have you been here with me for the last? <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. He's like, I told you. I told you, you already. He's like, I already yeah. done told you. Yeah. He probably didn't say it quite like that. He probably, he had, probably didn't say it. In those, know, better grammar than me. In Aramaic. <laughs> yeah. But also, also, um, what he was answering was not, he came not in the way that they wanted him to, because they were expecting him to come in, in glory and take over, you know, beat the Romans and, 
and make them free of this Roman occupation. But this, but instead, Jesus is coming in the way that he was supposed to come. And so, what they're asking is like a different question, if that makes sense. What, yeah, what they're seeking is not what Jesus is giving. Yeah, totally. And I think that something that's really interesting to me in this little part of the passage, right? So that conversation finished in verse twenty-one, where he's like talking about the the. The, the talking about the shepherd, talking about who he is in that context. And then the people are divided, right? Mm-hmm. And so often throughout the book of John and just throughout all the gospels, but John really highlights this. Every time Jesus teaches or does a healing, does a sign, the people are divided. Some are for him and some are against him. And it's interesting. Jesus talks about in other places, you know, you, you think I came to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. And there's a real sense in which everywhere that Jesus comes, conflict arrives. Right, and, and the way that it arrives is that people are either for him or against him. There's no middle ground when it comes to Jesus. You're either for him or against him. And this is what, what we see. And then after that break and that conversation is finished, it then moves on to this next story where we've just been talking about. But I love the way that he talks about it, right? He says, like we saw a couple chapters ago, we're talking about witness, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody testifying or bearing witness to Jesus. And notice what he says here. He's like, look, I already told you. I told you, I answered your question, are you the Christ? I told you. He says, but you don't believe, right? And then he goes on and he talks about how they're not my sheep, right? Because I know my sheep, they know me, and they will follow me. They follow me. And then he goes on and he talks about how the works that he has been doing testify on his behalf. They bear witness that he is who he says he is, right? And when you think about this, it's amazing because there are so many prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about the very things that Jesus would do. These are the things that Messiah will do. He will he will open up the eyes of the blind. He will set captives free. He will do all of these things. These are talked about in the books of Isaiah and these other um, prophetic books all throughout the Old Testament. There are these incredible prophecies. Jesus is fulfilling hundreds, literally hundreds of prophecies in his ministry. And yet the one that is the most convincing and astounding is yet to come. And he's already talked about it just a moment before when he says, hey, I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have the authority to take my life up again. And then here he also promises, and he says, hey, man, my sheep, the ones that hear my voice that I know, the ones that follow me, the ones that choose me, he says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Never perish, right? He's not talking about the sleep of death here that we bear for a time until the second coming of Jesus. He's talking about the eternal death that's coming at the destruction of the wicked at the end of time. He says, those who put their faith in me will live forever. They will not die. They will not suffer the consequences of sin that, they're, that are rightfully earned and deserved by humanity. He says, no, they will live forever. They will live eternally. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. And I love this, this promise. And I feel like we've read this in another passage recently, but he says this. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch my sheep out of the father's hand. They're not able to snatch my sheep out of my hand. May we take that as a comfort. When we truly surrender our hearts to Jesus, there's nobody that can snatch us away. Sometimes we think, oh man, someone could snatch me away. But the reality is the only way we're ever getting away from Jesus is if we choose to walk away, Mm -hmm. right? Once we have given our lives to Jesus, he's he's not casting us away. You see this? No one's able to snatch us out. It's a matter of our choosing. Isn't that, it's 
it's, it's powerful. Mm. It's also confronting, right? Because at the end of the day, there's a sense in which our own salvation is in our own hands, right? Because not because we can save ourselves, don't misunderstand me, but because we can choose whether or not to surrender to Jesus. We can choose whether or not to believe. We can choose whether or not we receive salvation by grace through faith, right? Mm. And that's a, it's a confronting thing to real, to real, real, realize, realize that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's powerful. That's so beautiful. Uh, do we have a little bit of time left now? Oh, no, uh, I'm going to say something else. Oh, You're going to say something? No, I was just going to. You're going to read? I and the Father are one. Oh, good. Say it. That's what I was going to talk about. Oh. Do it. <laughs> because th- this is the part that makes them angry. I and the Father are one. Jesus, again, is like emphatic. I I am the Father and the Father is me. And together we are one. And so time and time again, uh Back in John eight fifty eight, again he says, well, maybe that, not. He is the Father, and the Father is Him. But He is in the Father. He's in the Father. Is, in the the father, father is, is in yeah. Subtle distinction, but important. Yeah, but very important. And I think that's it's a good way to end this section as well, because we have to remember that Jesus is not acting on on His own. He's acting on behalf of the Father Boom. to do the will of the Father. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. You're listening to real faith, but it's not as real as it could be. Why, you ask? Because this isn't the live show. So as good as this is, the live show is where it's really at. Join us every Thursday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. so you can be involved live.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And hey, Shell, I'm just wondering, what time is it? (laughs) Awesome. So thank you very much to Darren for sending in a question. Uh, Darren's question today is this. If angels are conscious or or sentient, knowing, um, able to think, aware just to throw some words out there in case that doesn't make sense. If angels are conscious spiritual beings, why does the human spirit lack consciousness when our spirit departs our body and returns to the Lord in heaven? And the second part of the question goes on and says, God's eternal nature is a conscious spirit. In other words, he knows things. He's aware. And he is the life source of all created spiritual beings. So why is our spiritual nature different? Great question. So there's a couple of things that, that are that are coming out there that, and it's i guess the the question is what's the deal with with when we die are we conscious is our spirit conscious is it not and also what's the difference between humanity's spirit like a human spirit so to speak versus an angelic spirit um so there's a couple of quick places we've only got a little bit of time but the first place i'd like to look at is in Matthew chapter 22 verse 30 and i've got that one have you got that one tash yeah Okay, so Jesus is here speaking, and he raises a very interesting point that that just makes a distinction between humanity and the angels. So it says this, For in the resurrection they need, they're neither married nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. Okay, so just to, to identify what's going on here. So Jesus is being questioned about the resurrection and by a group of people who don't believe that there is a resurrection, and he gives them this answer. And so he says, in the resurrection, so please note that the time that Jesus specifies is in the resurrection, speaking of an event, mm. right? And throughout Scripture, we see the resurrection mentioned as a specific event at a particular point in time for all of the saved, and then at a second point in time for all of the lost. And if you've got question about that, um, just text us back in, and we can send you some, some more stuff on that. But notice there's a distinction. In some sense, we are different in our natures from the angels, right? Because they are not they are not able to procreate is what it seems from what Jesus is saying. And he says that when we are resurrected, we will be like them in that sense. I know it's a little bit of a shock to people, but don't let your mind get too messed up on that. Um, heaven will be good no matter what. Um, better than you can ask or imagine. But here's the point. There's a difference in our nature, even our spiritual nature, from us and the angels right now. And that's significant. And some of those distinctions are going to stay distinct between us and them as different kinds of beings. And what's fascinating to note is if you go to Genesis chapter 2, so Genesis is the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when, when the first human being is created, there's a very interesting thing that takes place. In Genesis 2, verse 7, it reads this, And the Lord God formed man, or Adam, of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being or if you read like the old king james it says a living soul 
Now, I want you to notice what's going on here, that the angels are created, and the angels the angels are a spiritual being, and they are different than us, right? So when we see angels in, in Scripture, we see them angelic and, and glorified. We see them being able to change their appearance, right? So the angels come and appear to Abraham with with what seems to be Jesus, the angel of the Lord, right? And they are able to appear as human as human beings, right? There are times where they are present and they are not visible, and then they reveal themselves. It says of the devil, who is in fact an angel who has chosen to rebel from God, right? All the, all of the demons and the evil spirits that are mentioned in Scripture are angels who have rebelled against God in heaven, um, sent to the earth, etc. And so you see that, um, as I think I mentioned this actually earlier in the Bible study today. That in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, fourteen and fifteen, I think it is, it says that the angel, the the devil, excuse me, transforms himself into an angel of light. Right? He can change his appearance. So there's a real sense in which the angels are very different than us. And notice that when God creates humanity, there's two components here that make the person. There's the dust of the ground. So there's there's something that's forming a physical, tangible body. Right? Earthen. And then he's breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, by the way, the word for breath there is in the Hebrew, ruach, which means spirit, wind, and breath. All three of those meanings are derived from that same word in the Hebrew. So everywhere in the Hebrew text in the Old Testament where you see the word spirit, you can generally, most of the translations, as far as I know, are that same word. So when it talks about the spirit of man, it's also talking about the breath of man. So notice that distinction, right? Okay, so with those two things being dealt with, we then have to ask the question, so in what ways are we different, right? So we notice that the man does not become conscious until his body and his breath are connected, or his body and the spirit of life that God gives are connected, so it's not until they are joined that Adam becomes conscious. He does not he's not a human being until those two things are connected. He's not animate, he's not sentient, he's not conscious. And so when we when we separate those two things, we would expect that what was not conscious before being united, when it's uh broken apart, when it's I'm trying to think of the word, disunited, <laughs> disconnected, there disconnected. we go. <laughs> brought apart that you would then have spirit or breath that is not knowing or conscious and a body that is also not knowing or conscious. So with that, there's a couple of other passages just to kind of look at the second aspect of the question. Is And there's a couple of passages. There's actually a stack of them. And we won't go through all of them. But um, a number of passages that actually address the question of, well, what happens when a person dies? So let's read Ecclesiastes 9 verse 5 for, for a start. It says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Awesome. And so, I mean, the dead know nothing is a pretty bold and strong assertion. How can you know nothing, right? And the only way is if you're not conscious. Another another one that we could look at is Psalm 146, verse 3 and verse 4. And I'm just turning there quickly, sorry. And it says this. It says, do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth, in that very day his plans perish. So notice here the separation of the spirit. Again, the word is ruach in the Hebrew and is also the same word for breath and for wind. So in the day that his, his breath leaves him, his plans perish. His ability to think and to reason and to go on is disconnected. 
There's a bunch of others that we could look at. I'm just looking at the time. Uh, can we have a little bit more time, show? Uh, there's another number of these. So let's go to Job. And there's a bunch in the New Testament too. Let's let's just look at a couple more. If you'd like more on these, Darren, just, just text us in and I can send you a bunch. I've got like 15, 20 passages that we just don't have time to go through that could be helpful on the question. Um, so Job chapter 7, verse 9 and verse 10. And let us know when you're there, Tash. Um, there's another passage in Acts chapter 2 that I think is really significant. Um, and I think I've mentioned it on the radio before, but maybe not. In Acts chapter 2, a very famous sermon by Peter, he speaks to, to these people. It's on the day of Pentecost, full of the Holy Spirit this day after this sermon. 3,000 people give their hearts to Jesus. But he says something very fascinating. He says to them in Acts chapter 2, verse 29, he says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. He goes on to talk about him, and he says that there's these prophecies about, about Christ, that his soul would not see corruption, etc. But then it comes to this in verse uh, verse 34. It says, For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make my enemies your footstool. And so I just want to notice, I just want to note there, when he talks about King David, who after his death... Uh, God talks about him as a righteous man, still a man after his own heart, even after he's died. So the Lord declares that David is righteous, that David is saved. That's a biblical concept. And yet he says David's not in heaven, right? So and how can David be in that place conscious if over and over again in the Old Testament and in the New, it talks about how the body and the breath will be separated and that David is actually still waiting in his grave. So David doesn't know of anything because he's not up there in a sense, but he's in this place where his spirit is not conscious. The breath has left. And let's read that last one. Uh, you ha- Did you have one there? The Job 19, yep. 25 to 20. Oh, Job 7, 9 to 10, I think it was. 7? No. No. Sorry. Oh, all good. Sorry. All good. It just basically says a man will not return to his household. He will not come up from the grave. And so anyway... Oh, right. As a cloud vanishes <laughs> and is gone, so one who goes down to the grave does not return. He will never come to his house again. His place will know, will know him no more. So it's just interesting to note, and there are other places the dead do not praise God. Um, there's no remembrance in the grave. So there's all of these texts that seem very strongly to paint the picture that we don't have consciousness in death, that we are waiting the resurrection. And in that time, there will be a real sense, as Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 30, where we will become different, right? We don't know exactly what resurrected life is going to be like, but we do know we're going to have bodies. We're going to be like the resurrected Jesus. And when Jesus was resurrected, he he was able to eat food. He ate fish with the, with the disciples. I was going to say with the boys. Um, but also he was able to come through locked doors. So there was a real sense in which he has a body, but it's now a spiritual body where we now have these physical bodies. And so in that interim time in between, the, the text of Scripture is plain that we don't know anything, so the indication is that it's asleep and that we don't have consciousness. I hope that's helpful to you, Darren. If you've got any more questions, send them through, and we can send you some more resources. This is the Forbes family when, when I'm sleeping I'm in the grave. Sleeping in the Up on high that cannot rust when
morn shall break when my sleeping I awake. For my Savior will not leave me in the dust. Well, he's holding to my. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio. And um, yeah, 
So I hope I hope that you guys have had a great show. We've had a great show. We've had a great show. Um, the Bible verse I was actually trying to think of before, <laughs> just to finish off. Hopefully, this is an extra one for for you, Darren. Was um, Psalm six, verse four and five, which says, "Return, O Lord, deliver me. O save me for your mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks?" And it just makes me think that the moment that I see Jesus, I just imagine that there will be nothing but praise on my lips. And so how could we have that? Like if we were to be conscious, we would be praising God. And so this just seems to me to be another indicator to point towards the idea that there's no consciousness in death. It's asleep and that we're waiting until Jesus returns. So hopefully that's helpful. Anyway, what can we draw out? It's come that time of the show where we draw out some real-life application. What can we draw from John chapter 10? Did we finish John chapter 10, by the way? We didn't. We were close, but we didn't. How much, how much do we have left? We still have... Oh, there's a fair bit. 31 to 42. Oh, there's a fair bit. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. We'll do it next time. Next time's a big chapter. John 11's a huge chapter. It is. <laughs> but it actually, by the way, don't miss next week because next week is a chapter dealing with Jesus, talking about death as asleep and the resurrection, being the resurrection life. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you hang around for that for next week. All right, so what can we draw out of this? What are some takeaways, some practical lessons that we can draw from John chapter 10? just want to go with the sheepfold or the sheep pen that we had right from the start, the illustration that Jesus gave. Um, again, I love how Jesus always gives paints a picture. So, you know, you can, you know, whatever kind of learner you are, Jesus will, will meet you there. And um, just him being not only the door, but being the shepherd, the good shepherd and the door and that no one can come. No one can come in unless you go through him and no one can come out unless you go through him as well. And so it's a beautiful picture of of how um, he brings everyone, not only his followers, but it's like community together. And it's through him, like like-minded in Christ, that we can come together. And I think that's, I don't know, you can never say this enough <laughs> of what Jesus, what Jesus is and what he is doing and what he's continuing to do. But we have to make, but in that, we have to make the choice to go to the door. Yeah. I love I think it. That's beautiful. I love it. I think another really practical lesson to think about is this. Jesus already has other people who he calls his own that just don't know it yet. Mm. And I think when we think about that, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've got family members that don't know Jesus, you've got friends that don't know Jesus, you've got loved ones that don't know Jesus, you know, it's easy for us to be discouraged. And I think it's just a good reminder. God knows who's who belongs to him. And when we think about that, I think it's a really powerful thing to help motivate us to give them the best opportunities to see Jesus clearly in our own lives, from our actions, our words, to be beacons of light to these people, because there's nobody out there who is not worthy of hearing the good news. Mm. And I just really love that Jesus is in the business of saving lost people, no matter what your background, no matter what your history no matter what your particular sin issues you've had in your life or what gender you are or what ethnicity you come from or your circumstances, your wealth, your lack of wealth, it doesn't matter. What matters is that Jesus knows who his sheep are. And so when you look at your life and you look back and you think, man, all those good things that happened, well, God was at work. God was at work even before you knew it was Jesus. And I love that. And I think it's a really powerful impetus for us to keep 
giving those clear pictures of Jesus. It's kind of like a friend of mine described it this way. We're kind of like, we're like chopping down trees that are blocking the view to see Jesus. Just chop those trees down. Let's break down the barriers that keep people from seeing Jesus clearly. Because when people see Jesus clearly, it's very difficult not to love him. You know what I mean? Like not to be blown away because he loves us so much. Another thing that I think we can take out of this, and I love this, this was the John 10, 10 verse. Remember uh, that. Yeah. Please like, yeah. memorize this verse. It's awesome. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And I love this. Whatever it is that the devil is trying to sell you, even if it looks good on the surface, it is only ever going to lead to your dissatisfaction ultimately, to your destruction, to you losing joy, not gaining it, to you losing ultimate pleasure, not to gaining it. It's going to lead to deterioration in your life. And the, ox, the, the total opposite is true of Jesus. Whatever Jesus is calling you to, into, or out of, those things will lead to life. And not just like surviving but thriving life abundance of joy abundance of life is found only in jesus christ Mm -hmm. he is the solution to all of the toughest problems and i love that so beautiful what else can we take out of this uh i also love that they hear my voice and they know me because uh, the again the illustration of of um, the middle eastern shepherding (laughs) and how it's not we we can't drive people to Jesus. We can't force people into a, you know a situation to have a bigger faith or you know do more devotionals or whatever it is, because Jesus calls them. Like he actually he knows them. We know him by his vo- by the he knows us by the voice. We know him by his, <laughs> his voice. voice. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I mixed it up. Um, and yeah, he's he's leading us. So his call is to is to guide us. To follow him wherever we go, and never to force his hand, force his hand on anything. And so, you know, if you feel like you're being forced into something, I I think you need to rethink because this is not the way Jesus wants us to participate with him. Yeah, totally. And I think from just to take that a step further too, in leadership, if you're in a position of leadership, and by the way, most of us are in positions of leadership, whether they're official or otherwise, right? You're a parent, you're a leader. You got a job, you're a leader. You've got siblings, you're a leader, right? Like you got friends, you're a leader. The reality is everybody is in some capacity of leadership in their life at any given point in time. We're also followers, by the way. And the first step to being a good leader is to be a follower of Jesus, in my opinion. But if we want to lead well, we need to lead by following Jesus's example. And mm-hmm. Jesus was always willing to go there first. He was going before his team, before his followers, He was going through every difficulty that he would call them to. He was modeling by example, and he was never driving them into something that he was not willing to face himself. Jesus is that kind of leader. Mm. So my friends, stick around for drive time. May God bless you and keep you. And remember that real faith is live faith. faith.